I'm writing a blog post right now about Dr. Phil. Dr. Phil has a house out in Los Angeles that he's trying to sell. And his son, who's a musician, lives in it. And it's the most outlandish, unbelievably crazy looking house you've ever seen in your life. And it doesn't seem like Dr. Phil. He's got an entryway with a snake staircase. So these like snakes are like in metal, you know, uh-huh. winding around. It's, he's got a, a very profane piece of art in the entryway also with a curse word on it. The house is just unbelievably bizarre. So even with a, if you had your house done by an interior designer years ago, you decorated it in your own, the things that make you feel good, like very heavy draperies or, you know, just a lot of things that were very popular many years ago. And that also reflects um, a client's taste. But that's what the person walking into your house is going to notice. They're just going to notice your taste and they're not going to notice the room. Welcome to Spark Joy, the podcast dedicated to celebrating the Kamari method and the transformative power of surrounding yourself with joy and letting go of all the rest. With your hosts and certified Kamari consultants, Kristen Ivey and Karen Sochi. And now, here's the show. Our guest today is Linda Leibel. Linda has been in business for over 20 years. The owner of a beautifully staged home, she specializes in creating warm and inviting homes for new construction builders and realtors. She also helps home sellers who still live in their homes by rearranging and editing their homes to appeal to the target buyer in the area. Finally, she works with new homeowners to create the homes of their dreams with her budget-conscious design and color consultations. She received her staging certification from stagedhomes.com, and she is the president-elect of RISA, the Real Estate Staging Association Long Island Chapter. I met Linda when she invited me to speak at Risa on Long Island, and I have long admired the beautiful stagings she brings to life on Long Island and beyond. Welcome, Linda. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much for inviting me to be a speaker tonight. Thank you very much. Thanks for joining us. I'm looking forward to definitely exploring more about how you help make homes beautiful. And I'm also curious what attracted you to the business of home staging and how you're feeling about this housing market these days? Well, I think what attracted me to home staging, actually, I always loved decorating and designing. I was a decorative artist for many years. And I always liked uh, the fact that interior designers seem to look so much neater than me and they didn't have to get their hands dirty. <laughs> so I figured home staging was similar to that, but it's backbreaking work. But it's such a wonderful feeling at the end of the project when you see how the home has changed into something very saleable and very, you know, it feels beautiful and wonderful. So getting that feeling every time I finish something is one reason why I keep staying in it because it's such a great feeling to see the transformation. But what's going on in Long Island right now in the home market? I can't speak for every single county, but 
I feel that the lower priced homes are selling very quickly if they are staged and they look great and they're organized and more buyer ready. I think all new buyers are looking for buyer ready homes, move in ready. They want to have no problems, no painting, no renovations. They don't want a project. They just want to buy something. So the older homes that are more expensive, you know, in the, you know, like 1.5 million on up, they're taking a little bit longer to sell. But I really feel that the spring selling season has already started here on Long Island in January. I have so many phone calls. I'm going to do like nine or 10 houses already in January. So I feel that the, the market has responded to staging and people are understanding that it helps them sell their homes faster and for more money. So it's really the word is the word is out here on Long Island. (laughs) But it's so interesting because I I really feel that home staging has become very mainstream. Whereas a few years ago, it was something that I certainly wasn't that aware of. But now it seems like it's really just kind of the industry standard is to have your home staged before a sale. It's getting there. You know, a couple of years ago, I was pleading with people to bring me in. (laughs) Interesting. I was dying, like, well, please, please, I'll do it for free. No, I didn't say that, but uh, <laughs> I wanted to help. You know, I really wanted to help people. And I felt so bad. I mean, I remember about like maybe about 12 years ago, I did a consultation for a realtor, an elderly woman who had like six to seven kids. Not one of them was coming over to help her organize or clean or anything like that. And I felt so mm. bad for this woman. And I gave her a lot of ideas. I was moving furniture around. I was doing everything I could. But I said, you know, you got to remove the wallpaper. You have to declutter. You have to do that. I mean, a lot, you know, I gave her a laundry list of things. And unfortunately, none of them got done. Nothing got done. And the house became a short sale soon after, which was very sad. I think, though, if people can declutter their homes, make them more presentable, you know, roll up the sleeves, do some painting, do some neutral colors on the walls instead of wallpaper and just get their homes fresh and make them more move-in ready. I think people won't have a problem. But yeah, I think it is becoming more mainstream because I've never been so busy in my life <laughs> with this business, never. So I think it is becoming uh, a standard. Sure. So. Tell me a little bit about how you moved from you know, this the desire and interest in helping people and your interest in interior design to creating a beautifully staged home. What was your vision behind that? It sort of happened by accident, actually. My father-in-law was going to be going into an assisted living facility, and he had a condo that I hated going over because I, I, it was just depressing. It was very old. It was stuck in the 60s or 50s. I just hated it. But anyway, he had to go into the assisted living, and eventually he passed away within like a month of being in there. So we had to get the home ready for sale. And my husband was like, ah, no, we'll just put it up for sale and don't do anything. And I'm like, no, 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 you got to fix it up. You have to, you know, do some painting and do this. So I convinced my husband that I would go in there and I'd do everything. 
So with about, I don't know, I think about like five, about $5,000 worth of materials and new carpeting, et cetera, painting. We wound up selling the house in two weeks after I, you know, cleaned it up, you know, rearranged the furniture, brought in some new stuff, some new artwork. It sold for over 10000 over the price that they were, you know, that they said that it would sell at. That sounds like a great success. And I can certainly see how that would have been inspiring to move forward. Is that what started a beautifully staged home, that experience? I figured if I did that with absolutely no training, that maybe perhaps I had a business. So I wound up uh, taking the stagedhomes.com training and they had a, a training session on Long Island. Luckily enough, very quickly, I was able to get into it. And I think I learned a lot from it, but there was so much you had to do on your own. You know, you really just needed the experience under your belt. So after I, you know, got my accreditation, I was just uh, knocking on realtors' doors, calling people. I started a newsletter and started writing about staging topics. And I just um, was like so, so thankful when a couple of realtors hired me and I got my start. So, you know, once one realtor liked what I did, the next realtor did. And And then finally, after doing mostly occupied consultations, an occupied consultation is when you go in and you uh, help a homeowner that's living in the house. So you help them declutter and you help them, you know, with a paint color or, you know, you rearrange their furniture and just make the home look so much more inviting Mm -hmm. with their own things. And then finally, I got a bite from a realtor who said, I've got a vacant home, brand new construction, $3.5 million house. So most stagers start with things that are a little bit lower priced. I did a $3.5 million house for my first vacant stage, which was crazy. It just gave me more confidence to keep going. Maybe I was on the, the right track. Maybe I was doing the right thing. And then I just, you know, I just kept marketing and making friends with realtors and getting my name out there. Yeah, definitely. It blossomed. And I think it's really cool that you've had such a diverse range of experience from smaller homes to bigger budgets. Is there some common trends you see in home staging, no matter what the size of the home or the type of client, or just some things you look out for or things you notice? show up in almost every project? In occupied homes, I think what I see a lot of is that most people don't realize that they have to divorce themselves from the house. Mm -hmm. They have to take themselves out of the equation. And a lot of people can't let go of that. They don't realize they have to create what the buyer wants. They have to really stage their house or just, you know, make it look like something that a millennial would buy. Whatever the target market is in their area, you can have somebody who's 70 years old and has lived in the house for 30, 40, 50 years. And all around her neighborhood or his neighborhood, young families are moving in. 
but her house looks like it's still stuck in the 50s. So she doesn't realize that she's got to create something for the target buyer. And sometimes they dig their heels in and they don't want to do it. And so it sits there and the the list price goes lower and lower and lower, which is very sad. So that's a negative trend that I see a lot of buyers if they haven't caught on to the fact that staging is a is a trend and is becoming a standard. What I do, what I think is successful is to bring the eye of the buyer to the assets in the house. So if there's a beautiful fireplace, I want to make sure there's a beautiful piece of art on that fireplace. So when they walk into the living room or the great room, they're going to notice that asset. They're going to remember. So I use color and art to direct the buyer's eye so that they remember things. Because if you see 10 houses in a day, you really want to be the one that they remember fondly. Because when you walk into an empty new construction home and every room is bland and cold, you're not going to remember one from the next, but you're going to remember the house with the fireplace and the beautiful art. So that's been my aim is to make things memorable in a good way. I think you had mentioned once to me, and it's to me was such a great definition of the benefit of home staging, really kind of the point of home staging. And that is that when a potential buyer walks into a home, you want them to be able to envision themselves living there. So yeah. that means that the buyer isn't looking at to admire someone else's decorating work. It's really about them being able to envision themselves and their family living in that home. And it's not really designed to fool or disguise or it's not even really a cosmetic thing. It's just to make the home appear to be presentable to, you know, a, a target group of folks who could potentially be living in that home which is a lot different than decorating a home. Could you talk a little bit about the difference between, you know, if, if I have a home and I have you come over and I say, but look at my decorating, it's so chic and it's so beautiful and it reflects my personality. How do you talk with someone like that about what the difference is between decorating and home staging? Well, I have a, a phrase and a lot of stagers use it. It's called taste specific. and it means someone's own taste, be it very loud colors or extremely modern furniture, something a little bit unusual. I'm writing a blog post right now about Dr. Phil. Dr. Phil has a house out in Los Angeles that he's trying to sell. And his son, who's a musician, lives in it. And it's the most outlandish, unbelievably crazy looking house you've ever seen in your life. And it doesn't seem like Dr. Phil. He's got an entryway with a snake staircase in metal. He's got a, a very profane piece of art in the entryway also with a curse word on it. The house is just unbelievably bizarre. So even with a, if you had your house done by an interior designer years ago, you decorated it in your own the things that make you feel good, like very heavy draperies or, you know, just a lot of things that were very popular many years ago. And 
that also reflects um, a client's taste. But that's what the person walking into your house is going to notice. They're just going to notice your taste and they're not going to notice the room. So that's why I always try to use neutral sofas, maybe a a pop of color in a pillow and a pop of color on an accent chair and feel, ah, I can rest here. I can put my feet up here and just curl up and read a book. So it's eliciting a feeling of something that they're looking for. But if you have something very outlandish in your design taste, that's what they're going to notice and they're not going to feel at home. So then in other words, something that sparks joy for me in my own home is not necessarily going to spark joy for a potential buyer. Exactly. The question, does it spark joy, is a simple one, but not so easy to execute alone. Extend your tidying experience by joining the Spark Joy Club, our online community filled with our clients, fellow listeners, and Kamari enthusiasts ready to support your journey. If you find yourself buried under clothing, stuck on storage, or pointing fingers at untidy housemates or family members, we want to help you finish your tidying journey once and for all. Support the show at the Joy Riser level and receive access to our exclusive virtual community, as well as the Tidy Home Joy Journal, your number one tidying companion. Visit sparkjoypodcast.com and click on Join the Club to get started. And now back to the show. And speaking about things that are not great for someone who's wanting to sell their home, let's talk about clutter. Because I know that you and I have spoken about what a big issue this is. When you walk into an occupied staging, and, and occupied means, again, that, that someone is living there so that you're working with the things that are on site. Sometimes you're removing furniture. Often, probably, times you're removing personal objects in order to make the home, you know, as you said, a little more neutral. But I think that a lot of times the first order of business is really getting rid of the clutter. One thing I know is that there's a tendency to think, well, we'll just put everything in a closet or in a spare bedroom or, you know, down in the basement. But really a lot of times a potential buyer is going to look in those places first because everybody's interested in how much storage someone has. Yeah. I had client many years ago. And I was there just to give them some paint colors at first. They wanted some paint colors. And then it morphed into, you know, I don't really like this orange sofa anymore. Could you do something about that? Could you change that? So she says, you know, in another year or three or whatever, we're going to be selling this house. So I said, oh, so I helped her the colors in her home. They were very tasty specific. So I was able to get a, an upholsterer to change her upholstery and everything you know, in her living room got neutralized. And it just looked so beautiful. Just lovely. It just changed the look of the house. And I changed a couple of the areas of her home. I said, you know, look, you know your piano doesn't belong here. It belongs over here. And, and I called it pre-staging. It's like getting your house ready a little bit or a lot of bit <laughs> earlier than when you're going to be putting it on the market instead of doing the frenzy. So I think people need to corral their clutter, 
corral their accessories. And if they can't part with a lot of them, they should rotate them. So you don't have to get rid of everything, but paring down is going to make your house feel more, feel more serene. It's going to, you know, less clutter will make your house feel, feel better and you'll feel better. And I'm not very strict with some of my clients. I, you don't have to take every single picture of your grandkids and put it away. A few select pictures are fine. Because I think people are, choirs are walking and it's like, oh, look at that baby. Isn't she so adorable? Mm. That's okay. That to me is okay. It's like a, a happiness. A few family photos is fine. Right. You know, we talk a lot about this idea that visual clutter is so disrupting and it actually adds to our stress and anxiety, even if we don't realize it at the time, or if it's not, you know, just something that's in the background or we just have become almost immune to seeing a lot of things around us. It's clutter blindness. Absolutely. That's a great term. And it certainly is distracting in a home to walk in and and, you know, all you can really see is the stuff that's on the countertops. And, and even though the home may be lovely, it's hard to see past the thing. So I agree. And I can certainly see how important it would be to minimize clutter and think in those terms going forward is, you know, what is my, just like we talk a lot with our clients about what do you see as the future of this item in your home. You're really almost thinking about what do we see as our future in this home? Will we be here forever? Do we hope to sell one day to a smaller place or a larger place, depending on what our needs are? So I think it's always good to be thinking in terms of like, what is our future vision for not only our things, but also, you know, the bigger picture? Yeah, you know, one of my clients that I I did mostly decorative painting for her. This is many, going back many years, but we became very good friends. She was selling her big house. And this was before I went into staging, but she was selling her big house and she was going to move down to Florida. And so I swear a year or more before she sold the house, because she's very smart. She's just a smart person. She said, I've got to sell this. I've got to sell that. I've got to sell this. I got to, you know, get rid of this because I don't have, I won't have the same space that I have up here. I'm going to have a smaller home. So if you're smart, you do start thinking about the future and you start thinking about it earlier than it actually happens. And she had a very successful move because she got rid of all the really big pieces that she had in her very huge home. I think downsizing is something that both of us in our industries, our client base is really paying attention to their footprint, essentially. How much space are they taking up in their home? And I think there's this opportunity for downsizing within an existing space as well. And I think you've touched on that, talking about ways to edit down the things to make the existing space feel like maybe a whole other person could move in or a room could be put up for rent or maybe there's some white space or an empty drawer, which I imagine would be very attractive to someone looking to buy a home as well. So with that easing into the transition of staging a home as well would be pretty seamless there. So I think that 
it's interesting how we don't want to set ourselves up where we're like constantly thinking about staging, even when we're not in the zone of moving, I imagine. But there is opportunity for us to almost stage our homes before we're at that point. I know I had a client who got the feedback that everyone thought her home was staged, but really it was just, you know, she had just finished a tidying event. So even just decluttering can complement that and get down that path. Yes. You know, when I did my father-in-law's house, he used to travel all over the world and he had trinkets and souvenirs and blah, you name it. It was such a cluttered space and I hated going over there. And when we finally got rid of all of this stuff, we gave it to neighbors and friends and we just got rid of everything. And when we were finished with the house, I just was walking around and I'm like, it feels so good in here. It was a feeling because it wasn't cluttered anymore. And it was lighter and just made you feel good. Like I hated going in there before and now I loved going in there. And even one of my workers said, I'd like to buy this. <laughs> so because it, it created a feeling. But it was because of the transformation and mainly getting rid of the clutter and the old buddy-duddy furniture and stuff that he had in the house. It really just changed things. So, yeah, it's creating a feeling. And then when you walk in, you feel that feeling. A buyer walks in and they feel that feeling. The house sold so quickly because it changed. You know, there's a famous New York designer. And I'm blanking on his name right now. And I love him. He's great. I have all his books. But he said, when you're designing, you're really not designing. You're creating an atmosphere. And there's no atmosphere store. Right. Because <laughs> it's an intangible. But that's what you do. That's what designers do. That's what stagers do. That's what organizers do. We all create an atmosphere. and. You know, I've used that line so many times. Oh, no, I create an atmosphere and there's no atmosphere store. So designing for a client is so much more difficult because you have to stay within the confines of what the client wants with their own particular taste. You're guiding them along so that they make a better choice. But with staging, I want the client out of the equation. <laughs> They're their own worst enemy. <laughs> you know, like I'd love to go to Dr. Phil and say, what were you thinking? How were you thinking? For sure. Yeah, how's that working for you, Phil? <laughs> <laughs> you know, because this house is just like so, oh my God, you've got to look it up. <laughs> well, I actually, I saw it and I think maybe I saw it when you posted it, but we'll definitely yes. include a link to that listing because you're right. It is unbelievable. Yeah, it's unbelievable. And truly, clients need to get out of the way and let the stager do the job. <laughs> well, we hope that you have some tips for Dr. Phil and we will definitely <laughs> link them in our show notes. Thank you so much, Linda. We're going to close with asking you for your favorite home staging tips. My favorite staging tip is 
you have to adopt the selling mindset. And that's the other way of saying, get out of the equation. (laughs) When you adopt a seller's mindset, you become a smarter seller. And you have to take a back seat to what you've created. We know you raised your family here. You loved your wallpaper. You loved everything. Things were chosen by you and, and you loved them. But in order to get it sold, you have to think just like a, a merchandiser for a store. They merchandise the store to attract the buyer to purchase the item. And it's the same philosophy. So you're, you've got to merchandise your home to suit the target buyer of uh, your neighborhood. That is a great tip. I love that idea. So finally, Linda, we ask all our guests, what is sparking the most joy for you today? Well, I have a new client. He created a really stunning house and I get to stage it tomorrow. And it's breathtaking. It's an unusual layout, but it's hidden. It's right close to town out in Suffolk County on the North Shore. But you have to come to it via a winding, winding driveway all the way up the hill. And it's like a Swiss chalet in the middle of Suffolk County. It's, it's really beautiful. It's two acres. And it's all woods butted up against a, a state park. It's just, it's beautiful. The master bedroom is so gorgeous. And it's a very unusual layout, but I know how to make it look like there's no problems. Uh, weird layouts are us, is my, my sub-motto of my company. Weird layouts <laughs> are our specialty. So I think it's going to be very exciting. So that's sparking joy for me right now. Thank you, Linda. It sounds like a wonderful house. And we so appreciated having you on the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for inviting me. This was a lot of fun. To learn more about Linda and her company, A Beautiful Staged Home, visit abeautifulstagedhome.com and follow her on Facebook. So now we want to hear from you. Tell us your burning, tidying questions or share stories about how Kanmari has impacted your life. Head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe and review the show, which helps us reach others along their tidying journeys. To extend your tidying experience, you can join the Spark Joy Club. Visit sparkjoypodcast.com and click join the club to become a member of the Spark Joy community or join us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thanks for tuning in. And we hope your day sparks joy. Thank you for listening to Spark Joy with your hosts, Kristen Ivy of For the Love of Tidy in Chicago and Karen Sochi of The Serene Home in New York City. Spark Joy, the podcast, is not endorsed by or affiliated with Kamari Media Inc. The opinions expressed on this episode represent the views of the co-hosts and guests alone and do not represent the corporate position of Kamari Media Inc. or the Kamari Consultant Community.